0: Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights, brought to you by Lumina Health Partners, a national healthcare consulting firm focused on improving the strategic, financial, and operational performance of provider organizations. On this program, we will explore trends and share valuable insights on how health systems and medical groups can optimize their performance to meet the demands of this increasingly complex healthcare environment and shift to transform the delivery of care. Value-Based Care Insights is hosted by Daniel Marino, Managing Partner of Lumina Health Partners. Daniel has been in the industry for over three decades and specializes in shaping strategic initiatives for organizations in areas such as population health, clinical integration, physician alignment, information technology, and data analytics. For additional insights, visit luminahp.com and sign up for our newsletter. Dan, over to you.
1: Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm your host, Daniel Marino. Since COVID and even prior to that, primary care has gone through quite a bit of of change, more so for this specialty than I think any of the other specialties. And there's been a number of drivers, I think, of those those changes in in primary care, some of which have been the the rising cost cost of healthcare, Um, I think a big one has been the undersupply of primary care physicians, where they're looking to incorporate virtual health, um, other technologies, incorporating wearables and so forth into the primary care model. So it's really forced us to rethink how we want to deliver primary care. Well, I am very pleased today to be joined by Dr. Michael Hannock. Dr. Hannock is a board certified family physician, working with a large academic medical center in the Chicago metropolitan area. Dr. Hannock has been instrumental in advancing his family practice and really the primary care group initiatives around new primary, uh, new care delivery models, utilizing digital health technology who's been very instrumental in implementing their EMR as well as incorporating a lot of aspects around quality. Dr. Hannock, welcome to the program.
2: Thanks for having me. Appreciate being here.
1: So Dr. Hannock, given that you've worked in the Chicago metropolitan area, I'm sure you have a very busy primary care practice what are some of the changes that you've seen over the last few years that has really affected the way that you're delivering primary care to your patients?
2: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, especially coming out of pandemic, you know, that's, that's really altered a lot of things, you know, operations, workflows, even just staffing. Um, I, I think that we're, the emphasis you're seeing now uh, is, is around value-based care and kind of moving upstream. Um, whereas I think in the past primary care was always seen as a front door and kind of a a first step toward sick care. And now there's a real emphasis on how do we drive down cost and, and doing that means you gotta, you gotta even come in when you're healthy and, and what are the preventive steps we can be taking to, to drive costs before those things even occur. So that that's been a big, I think, transition over the last few years is really thinking more about value in the care model. Um, And also defining what quality means, you know, not just, not just the process, but also the outcome.
1: Have you seen within your practice um, a big shift towards more what I would call convenience-based primary care, where you've incorporated, say, virtual health, or maybe patients want more on-demand primary care services? Have you seen a lot of those changes within your own practice?
2: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of that is is really coming off again the pandemic. You know that kind of pushed a lot of health systems to to figure out a way to deliver those services remotely and and you know offer more remotely, uh, whether that be from the technology itself to the platform to the types of care you can you can get in person versus in other ways. And I think that has evolved even further to what you had mentioned. You know the actual on-demand you know a visit within a certain period of time from any location um you know with with also an expanded set of services being offered in that in that way and so uh, even now you know whereas uh, during the pandemic we had periods of of visits that were offered in blocks so like you know your whole morning was going to be offered remotely right now it's just mixed in the day so you could you could see all of these patients in different ways throughout your day
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And I'll tell you, it's, it's been the demands of patients. um, The primary care needs have really evolved post pandemic. No, no doubt about that. But I also think though, the shortage of primary care physicians has also contributed to us having to deliver primary care differently. I was reading an article not too long ago that 40% of primary care In rural, in in certain rural markets, are being delivered by advanced practice providers. How have you seen just within your own group um, a challenge with um, maybe a shortage of primary care physicians or having to change the model to support, to have it be supported by APPs more so now than in the past? Yes. um, You
2: know, the the team based models of care are are kind of what what this next, I think, phase is going to look like. And uh, I think everyone is not necessarily struggling, but everyone is working to understand how best to deliver that and which areas, which services um, are going to be offered by APPs, um, by pharmacists, by nurses in the office. We're expanding a lot of our services to now do nurse visits that are really at the top of their scope of licensure, Um, and then also pharmacy-led visits where we have diabetes and hypertensive uh, checks being done by nurses and pharmacists, all kind of under the oversight of a clinician, of a physician. And that's allowed us to expand the number of patients that we're able to serve uh, while also kind of taking a little bit off the plate of the physician because there's only so many visits in the day. And if you're In a shortage area, which even in metropolitan areas, we are short primary care physicians. Sure. uh, You have to rely on that team. You have to develop a model that really serves a a large group of people.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I love the team-based model of primary care. And I think if it's it's done well, you really can provide the services to really where the patient is based on, on their needs. But I think the most important thing that I've been able to see This care continues beyond the walls of the clinic, right? You're able to really um, provide a level of outreach to patients, really respond to their needs and so forth. When you've been able to develop the team-based model of care, what have been a couple of the the real attributes that you've seen that have been important to really launch a a good team-based model?
2: A big part of this is is setting expectations with patients so that the expectation is not that you will see this one person for everything, every time. Uh, And I think most patients, particularly our younger demographic, are okay with that. Um, The other thing is making sure that there's some level of continuity. So if you're going to offer these uh, extender visits, if you're going to offer other services remotely. You have to be able to interface with the patient in an effective way that's efficient, that they know how to use, you know, passwords and logins are one of the biggest challenges we actually face to delivering this model of care because we want to make these things accessible to all, but we also have, of course, regulatory standards to abide by. And so it, getting the patient connected with us is, is one of the big challenges. But once you establish that connection, you can, you can swap in and out different members of the care team to be able to interface with the patient throughout their journey. And as you mentioned, the, what happens between the visits is becoming more and more what healthcare is than, than right. the visit itself. The visit itself is, is setting the agenda and, and setting that guidance but then you've got to have this plan between visits that's efficient and patient centric. And that's, I think where, where healthcare is moving.
1: Well, it, and it allows you to be more proactive with the the primary care that you're delivering to patients. How much of that is dependent on having the data understanding maybe, I don't know, the risk levels um, of your patients or beginning to, to understand you know, ensuring that they are uh, going to their their follow-up visits, or you know, some of the key data that, that would drive the care. How how important is that to the to the team-based model?
2: That that ties in both the team-based model as well as just value-based care in general. Is that um, even a lot of the vendors and, and offerings that are out there to offer analytics? It's important that you figure out that next best action, that the data coming through is both actionable and impactable uh, for the patient. Uh, I think that a lot of these tools can generate a lot of data, but then you know, in the course of your workday, you're not gonna be able to have that time to sit down and sort through it all. So that's partly on the team and you rely on your team to sort through some of the data and figure out, okay, these are the most important pieces we need to take an action on. Uh, and then uh, another part of it is on the tools that you've, you know, implemented through, whether it's through your EHR or through a, another vendor, using those two things together to really make the most of your team-based delivery, I think is, that's kind of the magic, you know, the magic sauce here. Um, if we can get that going really well and you have a, a way to outreach to patients between those visits so that they're, they stay engaged, that's really how we're going to deliver better care through the use of of these various technologies.
1: Well, and I'll tell you, that's where value-based reimbursement and value-based contracting really supports the team-based model, because you're working on behalf of the outcomes of the patient and the population. You're working as a team, um, as opposed to in a fee-for-service structure, you're not as focused on RVUs. However, creating that, that balance, I think, is the challenge that many hospitals, many health systems, many primary care providers have struggled with.
2: Yeah, and, and knowing, you know, capturing risk is difficult if, if you haven't met a patient or a group of people who have never seen you before. You know, you, they sign on to a plan and they haven't come in. So you're not really certain what's out there that, that needs to be addressed. And and that's part of this work too—is doing really good outreach and navigation. We rely on our tools heavily to get good navigation out to patients, so they feel supported when they're approaching, you know, the large doors of a a large health system. Um, But then the other part is when we do see them, whether it's that initial visit or or routine wellness visit, to really document and capture all of that complexity that makes up that patient, because then that's going to go into our algorithms to risk adjust and prioritize, Uh, knowing maybe not who's in that 1%, but who's in the rising risk, who's in that 20% at the top that we need to see with some regularity, knowing that these conditions, if they escalate, will become those cost drivers. That's a big part of what we rely on our technology for, and it's where we're going to put more of those resources of our team around. Uh, And and also, I shouldn't say deprioritize, but you're going to take that the 60, 70, 80 percent, and we're going to say, listen, these visits and and this care that you may need on demand, is totally appropriate for an APP or for pharmacists to to help out with. Under this level of oversight, you've got to have physician-led, team-based care, uh, and that's how you're able to accomplish these goals and and risk adjust and make sure you're caring for the whole population at a at a reasonable cost and a high level of quality.
1: Okay. If you're just tuning in, I'm Daniel Moreno. You're listening to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm talking today with Dr. Michael Hannock about the evolving primary care model. So Dr. Hannock, how much of, of these non-traditional competitors, how do you see that affecting primary care and even your practice now or, or down the road?
2: I, I think in a lot of ways. Um, number one, I would say that these these large nontraditional settings, uh, the growth of these entities, demonstrates that patients are interested in a new model of care. They, they want convenience, they want um, you know, home delivery, they want lower cost. You know, The out-of-pocket costs for many of these services are different than the traditional insurance-based care. So I think that should be sending a message to all of us, not just on the clinician side, but on the payer side, That there is a a strong interest in a new model of care. The other thing that I think it does is it does drive those traditional models to change. There's going to have to be evolution to allow for more tools, more technology, easier access, easier navigation. Um, People are moving away from the one stop kind of central point of entry where maybe a health system has multiple points of entry depending on the need, depending on what the patient has going on. Um, And we have to be able to adapt to that and and make it convenient for patients because otherwise it's easy now to to move to other structures, to find these other resources. So I I think it's definitely driving change. Um, On the other hand, uh, and I'm not saying that that's all bad because most of those changes are positive, um, but it does also in a way uh, deprioritize, it devalues uh, the importance of having a coordinator of your care, right. a coordinator of your health. And I see that as obviously as a primary care physician. Um, people that are maybe more complex than those systems can manage, they come to me with uh, more problems because right. the system yeah. wasn't prepared to, to handle those those cases. And so I think we have to find that hybrid where you can have the central support when you're in that risk category that that mandates it, um, but also be able to offer these other things when things are going well and you just need a hand between your visits.
1: Right. I, and I think as we think about the evolving primary care model, education to patients is going to be critical. We, you know, as you brought up, and I fully agree, um, Convenience, convenience-based primary care incorporating more consumerism around the delivery of primary care. That's what patients want, right? We're all busy in our lives. And and I think there's a strong place to that, but it does not take the place of a strong primary care physician patient relationship. And one of the things that I often see, you know, we've had the opportunity to do numerous primary care strategies through Lumina health partners and What always comes out of that is that many health systems, many medical groups, had developed their primary care model because it's been convenient to them, right? So you've had set office hours from eight to five, um, maybe you know two or three Saturdays a month. Not really too many extended hours. Well, that's not really what patients want. So if we're going to compete, we have to change. We have to go through a paradigm shift of changing our thinking, incorporating convenience-based primary care, as, as you've mentioned, otherwise you run the risk of of losing these patients to what I often call the invisible competitor, right? You don't know they're gone until it's almost too late. How do you educate your patients or how have you educated your patients to maintain that relationship, not only with you, but with your with your team to ensure that they're still connected and still being able to provide that support when you need to?
2: Yeah, we, we spend a lot of time on even those initial visits on explaining and, and demonstrating all of the offerings that we have, because I think mm. most of the patients that come and see me, they are accustomed to the traditional model. I mean, we're in a large academic center, that is kind of the traditional model, and we have to kind of demonstrate, hey, we have these other ways of delivering care, just like you see at, at CVS or Walgreens or other places. And it offers the extended hours. We have an on-call service, et cetera, et cetera. And these are the tools you can use. And we show the, you know, the patient portal. We talk about some of the tools we have on our, on our analytics side, why it's important to, to gather their information and, and spend a lot of time collecting data up front to hopefully use that to better serve them in the future. So we're pretty transparent about that. And it does you know require some adaptation because some of these patients are just not prepared for these tools to use them to to you know use their mobile device. We get people set up in the office. We, we use iPads in the office to collect information from people. Um, so there's a little bit of a learning curve, but I think at the end it it ends up better serving the patient. Um, and right. you know I, I think we're we're looking at this shortage, thinking, I think society looks at the shortage thinking, well, you know, not much can be done about this. People have left healthcare; they've had a lot of stressors. I do think that there's a a place here to talk more about, and this for maybe a future session, but to talk more about the investment in these services, so that we can have people in the pipeline choosing primary care because we have a model that's well supported, right? Uh, instead of kind of the, you know, grasping here and there to to find those resources to create the team. It doesn't even always have that ROI to it. I think with value-based care, we're seeing more of that than certainly we did with fee for service. But this is part of that evolution that I think we're going to see there needs to be investment in this to make this really work and also to drive down our cost.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it also, you know, at the end of the day, it provides stronger care to the patient because it's, it's helping them get used to some of this technology and helping them understand how maybe primary care can or has to evolve uh tying in technology with with the new model how do you see care management changing you you mentioned a little bit that um you know there's there's a lot more outreach to patients and it's a little bit different and obviously having the care managers work with the care teams are important where do you see care management coming into play in supporting the new primary care models?
2: Well, certainly, care management, they've always been involved in those transitions. You know, when people are leaving a healthcare setting, leaving the hospital, or acute rehab, et cetera, care management is, is your kind of first point of contact to make sure the patient has what they need and identify any additional needs that the healthcare team can facilitate. So that's always been their strength and where they have been most important to a system. I think we're now moving to a place where it doesn't necessarily always have to be a care manager, but even just a patient navigator, a community health worker. You know, we're looking to, to move the care into the communities. And the way we do that is by having outreach from community health workers that don't necessarily rise to the level of nursing care or licensed social work, but can just do the check-in, the navigation, and the facilitation back when those needs, uh, you know, present themselves. That's been a, a shift for us. Uh, you know, everything can't just go to a licensed care manager when we have lots of patients who just need a phone call.
1: Right, um, right. And,
2: and that's, you know, or, or a text outreach and a, and a connection with an appointment. So when the platform can't deliver that, uh, for technology barriers that patient may have, we look to our navigators to do that, and that's been a big change in how we've you know managed our team.
1: Yeah, well, and I can see that, and that to me, I mean, that just it, that's a natural evolution because not only then you you need to have your care managers to handle more of the acute primary care services, maybe handling a lot of the chronic diseases and so forth but you've got all of this social determinant activity going on with the patients. And and frankly, just having a non-clinical navigating partner there performing that outreach, one, sort of closes that information gap. But two, I would assume as the primary care physician, that becomes invaluable for you to, to, to get a better frame of the whole picture, right? So you really begin to understand not only what's happening with the patient from a clinical standpoint, but from a non-clinical standpoint, those things that are really influencing those issues with the patient. I would think that would be invaluable.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We, we, uh, you know we we are doing our best to to offer screening for these social needs, but I will tell you that in the community with community health workers or navigation support that that's really where the screening is most effective. Uh, we do our best to screen on on patients you know presenting here for primary care services uh, and then the other thing is that I think a lot of smaller practices are going to struggle with the intervention
1: mm-hmm. right so screen
2: how can i how can I offer services that are needed? that ultimately do impact the patient's health. Uh, And and again, that's where we look to, I think, payers, you know, Medicare to say, what what are the structures we need to implement the framework for being able to deliver this more broadly? I would say even even our large entities like the Walgreens and the CVS, they're going to come across the same needs. And if they start screening, they'll have the same kind of challenges, uh, which is one of those, I think, deficits uh, we, we don't think about the disparities in these populations that we're serving and that's really important from a health equity standpoint it's a, a big part of what we do at our at our institution
1: well and and I there, there's no doubt that I think these partnership models are going to have to really evolve to to satisfy the certainly the primary care needs of the, of the patients um, and uh, like I said before I'm I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of team-based care. And I think even across multiple partnerships, that becomes invaluable. Dr. Hanick, this has been fantastic. I, I really appreciate it. Primary care is one of the areas that's near and dear to my heart. I've done a lot of research on it um, and have helped many organizations evolve their their strategies. Any final words of advice or thoughts that you might want to share with our listeners?
2: Well, I'd encourage everyone who is interested in these models or, or maybe changing the model for, for your practices to consider looking at the National Association of ACOs. They have a great set of lecture topics and presentations. Healthcare Value Week is, is coming up in January. There's some great uh, you know, topics and content tied to that, and it's a great way to initiate this conversation and, and start to communicate you know, with your patients and your peers.
1: Yeah, great point. Great point. Well, I want to thank you again for, for spending a little time today with us going through the, the evolving primary care model. Thanks again, Dr. Hannock. Really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Take care now.
1: Well, I want to thank everyone for listening today. Until the next Insight, I am Daniel Marino, bringing you 30 minutes of value to your day.
0: Are you at a crossroad with value-based care? Do you need to chart a future strategy or improve your organization's performance? Visit us at LuminaHP.com to learn more about our professional advisory services and leadership development programs. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. To connect with Daniel Marino or for more information about the show, visit our website or healthcarenowradio.com. Join this conversation using our hashtag BBC Insights. We are Lumina Health Partners. Thank you for joining us today. Until the next Value-Based Care Insight, stay well.